0: Hello all and my name is Ruth Pike and I will be your host for today. Welcome to the 10th installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by a great panel to discuss career development within tech. Before I delve a little bit deeper into the topic, I'm going to work around around the room and I'll ask who you are, what you do and also what it is your passion is about. So Jeff, do you want to tell everyone who you are?
1: Thanks Ruth. So I'm Hi everybody, I'm uh, Jeff Watkins. I'm CPTO at uh, Design, that's uh, Chief Product and Technology Officer, a bit of a hybrid role. I'm actually from an engineering, engineering background, so the product bit is kind of the, the growth area for me. Um, and what I'm really passionate about is making sure that our industry is sustainable. And that means not not I'm talking about green tech so much as more making sure that we bring the right kind of people into the industry. But not just bring them in by the bucket load, it's bring them in and make sure that they have the skills and the kind of the mentoring and coaching that they need to actually progress and and so they can do the same themselves later on in their careers.
0: Brilliant, thank you. Adrian, um, please tell us who you are.
2: Thanks, Ruth. Hi, I'm I'm Adrian Martins. Everyone calls me Aid. I am VP Technology at Coyote Software, where we build a SaaS product that um, is for the commercial real estate industry it allows our clients to buy, sell, and manage their their commercial real estate assets. Um, I used to be an engineer. Um, I guess I'm probably more than a manager now. Um, And over that time, what I'm passionate about has changed a little bit, I I suppose. You know, it used to be the problem solving, getting stuck into the code and trying to, you know, solve all myriad problems, whether it's that crazy bug or it's, uh, um, you know, a bigger project and how can you make it efficient and so on. Um, as my careers progressed i guess it, the, the people side of things has taken uh, more precedence and seeing people grow you know helping them upskill and you know really fulfill their potential is you know kind of key you know it, it helps them it helps me you know it's it, it, it's a nice it, it
3: works for everybody
0: brilliant thank you and last but not least fallaby
3: Thank you ruth for inviting me and and sorry for my accent i just had an emergency appointment in the dentist uh, parlor so i'm a kind of numb here <laughs> But hopefully it will not ruin our conversation so my name is valerie i'm a head of data scientist uh, head of data science in blockchain.com which is you can describe as a, as a bank but based on crypto plus exchange plus non-custodial wallet And what do I do then? Um, I'm building, uh, and maybe you can say I've built a team, working in data with the data infrastructure, machine learning infrastructure, machine learning, data analytics, and so on and so forth.
0: Brilliant, thank you all very much for your introductions. So now that I've established some context in each of you, let's move on to the topic in focus. Now we're all here because we have an interest in the topic of career development within tech. Now, we've got a number of questions to cover, so I'm going to work around the room asking you all to pose your questions and your subtopics and the reason behind it. So each of you have all got an opportunity to basically give your take on the situation. So we are going to start with yourself, Valerie. Um, do you want to go last with your question in case the, the numbness wears off a little bit? Or do, are you good. happy to go first?
3: I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I mean I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. OK. So uh, the thing I'd like to discuss is how to climb the ladder and what does it take? And this is an interesting question because uh, why I think it's interesting because many people in tech and many people outside of tech, uh, they're constantly thinking, what shall I do to go further? What shall I do to have a promotion, to go to the next level, to become a senior engineer, staff engineer, principal engineer, whatever? So... Uh, My take on that, my opinion is that, first of all, you have to have a ladder to climb, right? I mean, if there is no ladder to climb, you can't do that. So first of all, what makes sense is to know the rule of of the game and to know what levels, what opportunities you do have in the company you are right now and around you. So for example, my previous company was a company formerly known as Facebook. Now it is known as Meta. And uh, overall, big tech companies—they have a very, very well described career ladder. Uh, doesn't matter who you are, engineering manager or individual contributor—you, you, you can know where you are and where to go. So, for example, uh, you, 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 you can be a principal engineer, which is the same level as engineering director. So it doesn't uh, matter if you're not a manager; you, you still can be recognized. So, but what I'm saying—it's—it's it's, it's probably a very a long overview of things which doesn't matter that much—is that you have to know the ladder. You have to know what you have. Then the next thing you you need to know is—is is you need to understand the rules. Uh, what? What? Okay. So, for example, if you have the level, uh, probably to which you would like to go, probably you have a description. Of this level. I mean otherwise it makes no sense to have a level if there is no description and nobody knows what does it mean to be on that level right because then a- a- anyone can say okay I'm on that level uh, prove that I'm not. So if you know the rule of the game uh, and you can read the description level this is a good step but usually it depends on the processes in every company. So, for example, you might have a performance summary cycle in your company. as For example, the thing uh, we had back oh, in the wow. Facebook days. Or you might have, um, I don't know, just a management, com- management committee or decision of your manager to, to go to the, the next level. Whatever it is, you need to, to know what are the rules. And the best way is probably to speak with people who are already on the level you'd like to go to to, to understand... How did, they, how did they end up there? How did they go there? And as, far, as soon as you know what levels you have, uh, what are the rules and what, okay, what are the rules on the paper and what are the rules in the reality? Because in the paper, you might have one set of rules. In reality, it might be very different. You, you would know uh, where to put your efforts, what to prioritize, uh, and what uh, also very important how to show the results of what you've done because sometimes doing and showing is not the same. So, I mean, it's it's not a specific recipe, but more of understanding where you are and where you want to go and how other people went there will help you a lot. It's probably something what lawyers are doing. They're trying to understand the rule of the game and then they are mm-hmm. trying to use these l- rules to, to benefit their clients. So, try to be your own lawyer and, and try to be your own Client. But yeah. I, I'm curious about other people' opinion. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I, I think it's a really interesting question because the other, there's the other bit there that um, I think is important to cover. So i see a lot, of, especially uh, post lockdown, with it, with a lot of the it being very much a candidates market that people are very much rushing to get the next to the next level, the next level, next level. And um, I used to um, teach martial arts, and somebody asked me like their third lesson and said, "Oh, how long before I get a black belt?" And so, well, you can go. You can go and buy buy a black belt from a martial arts shop today. It won't mean you've earned it, and it's not through earning like having to go through hoops and earning respect. It's more like, um, I find I personally find uh, IT to be a really, really rewarding career, and it's um, I think figuring out what the actual pace of climbing that ladder should be and again like having these progression frameworks is good because we didn't have it i mean when i started 25 years ago we didn't have any it's like you're a developer and at some point they'll arbitrarily decide you're a mid-level developer and then at some point you're a senior and then one day oh you're an architect now it's like all right what do they what do they do don't know but you're an architect um mm-hmm. we've got these progression frameworks, but one i've seen the dark side to that as well and it's where i think it's called Goodhart's law and like any uh, measurement that becomes a target ceases to be a good measurement and if people only gain play then, then it can become quite damaging because people are just clambering. And I think the other side to it, as you mentioned, this, the dual track approach of IC versus management. It's not just climbing the ladder, like well, which ladder are you going to climb? When I was very young, um, the, the main, prog- um, this links to the second question, main progression was to become project manager. I thought, oh, well, I want to become a project manager because I'll become, I'll become the boss of the project and something very much in my youth. And then one point I realized that actually, I'd be a terrible project manager I'm nowhere near structured enough a thinker. I'm nowhere near good enough a planner. Um, so I think it, I think figuring out which ladder you're climbing is a is a is a good start because I've seen people climbing the long ladder. A very good friend of mine who's a tech principal and he's an excellent tech principal started climbing the ladder of being a project manager and then he hung around on that ladder for a bit and realised he didn't like where that ladder was leading, and then he had to go back down again to get back on that that tech. On the back back on the tech ladder so to speak. So I think there's a number of different moving parts there but it is like a
2: fascinating topic.
0: Brilliant. What do you think it takes Adrian?
2: Um, I think it's being aware first of all of what each of those steps will mean. Um, whenever you climb up the ladder or you move sideways you always take something new on but you also have to give something up and it's understanding that that's really important. Um, And then once you've decided that potentially that step up or that step sideways is what you want to do, then it's about making those people around you who can help you with that move in that particular direction. Make them aware that you want to do this. Um, There's no point in keeping it quiet. There's no point in just bottling it up inside you and hoping, you know, fingers crossed that one day I will become a, a senior developer or I will move into project management or whatever it is. Um, The people around you, your line managers and your colleagues um, are there to help, should be there to help you support and support you. Um, If you state to your line manager, I really want to be a senior, then, you know, here at Coyote, we have progression frameworks as well. And there are, you know, these are the skills that we need a person to achieve to become a senior engineer. So then we can start to put that into place. You know, we can say, right, This is the progression framework, you know, this quarter we're going to work on these three things or these four things. And then the next quarter we'll work on the next two or three or four things and so on. And it's a, you know, it's a progression. But it's really important to understand what that step up the ladder will entail, you know, how your role would change or the new responsibilities. You know, that cliche with great power comes great responsibility. You know, if you move up the ladder, the level of responsibility grows. And you have to be aware of that.
1: I guess uh, one of the things is uh, uh, what you can do personally, and I've had to do this a couple of times, is recognise when you're no longer being challenged, and effectively nobody's willing to um, allow you to move projects, move move teams, move roles to actually take that challenge. So I guess there's what I've seen in the past is 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 like when you, when you get too comfortable, when that learning that learning curve has stopped, and you're effectively having to find learning. Outside of outside of your, what you're doing, and that doesn't translate into industry experience, it's time to go. Well, do you know what? If I'm going to take the next step up, I need to take a risk. And the and the other the other side I've seen to that as well is is figure out where you can effectively fake it till you make it because there's a lot of projects where um, very large projects where say they've needed an extra architect and somebody has stepped up, like I've maybe been the architect and said, I need, you know, this is huge. I need some help. And people have stepped up and said, you know what, I I can help. I'm really interested in doing some of this and you wouldn't hire them to be an architect directly, but by being kind of the subaltern architect for say a year, then they've, then they've built up all those skills. It's like finding where you can sort of act, act at the level above or the level you sideways or whichever level you want to be at.
2: To actually show you can, you're ready to move into that space. Like at least that's some of my experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly showing enthusiasm when you know an opportunity arises. Be be aware that they're there, um, and say, look, you've got to put yourself out of your comfort zone at some point. And if you do want to climb up that ladder, it is about learning new skills, and you will be out of your comfort zone. So taking those opportunities when they come um, is really, really important. So, yeah, you know, we need an architect for this. Oh, so let me step up and let me try that out for a few months. You know, I, I can help out and, you know, see that we'll see where that takes you.
3: But I have a question, which probably a question, about the question is what do you think drives people to 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 try to, to step up the ladder because sometimes and probably more often than not people are doing that not because they really want to do that so i think but because they they think this is what expected from them right they have to go further they have to climb higher is that a, a wrong stereotype we just have in in, in tech
1: i i personally i think um it's the danger so i've got a very dear friend of mine who he he kept. He's retired now, and he kept stepping down into dev roles. But he was also one of the most talented developers and technologists I've ever met. So he kept being promoted to being an uh, being like a CTO or, or an architect. He's like, oh, no, I don't want it. But because he was so passionate and enthusiastic and good about what, good at it, that he naturally found himself that way. So yeah, there's a lot of again. I think there's always a lot of pressure to act to, to the next level, and we have to recognize. I think some of our colleagues are comfortable hitting a certain level and saying, do you know what, I don't want to go into management. I don't want to become a principal and do like pre-sales. I don't want to do architecture. I'm comfortable just coding. And I think we have to be okay with that because nothing would spoil somebody's enjoyment of this career than being forced to do something they don't want to do, in my opinion.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Well, that actually puts us very naturally progressing into Adrian's question. So, Adrian, do you want to pose your question in regards to, to the management aspect?
2: Yeah, so my question, yeah, it it does very neatly uh, step on from (laughs) that previous uh, discussion. Um, Does career progression in tech naturally lead to people management? Um, And the reason I ask this question is that, you know, managing computers and how they work is very different to managing people and and, and how they work. And um, a lot of people are reluctant to potentially climb that ladder because they don't want to necessarily manage people. So I'm, I'm curious to see what Jeff and uh, Valeri think.
0: Okay, who wants to go first?
3: I, I have an opinion on that. So from what I've seen, I think that in smaller companies, uh, the smaller companies, they, they tend to promote the good engineers to bad managers. To managers overall, right? And then you have either bad or good managers, but you did promote these people not because they were good at managing other people, empowering them, helping them, et cetera, but because they were good with machines, right? And probably how much you you can expect of them be successful in a different field. Well, they're talented people and some of them could be successful there. But then the thing is that I think that the the main idea, the main incentive behind that is just to try to to recognize the achievement. And if, for example, you, 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 you have only 20 software engineers in the company or, or 50. I don't know what the right number is, but you, of course you can try to, to to give a fancy title like distinguished engineer, but right, I mean, you, you still have like 20, 30 engineers. So they're trying to recognize and appreciate what these people have done by uh, making them um, a CTO or VP of engineering, engineering manager, whatever. While in the bigger companies, they have enough room to, to move these people further uh, but still on this IC line, individual contributor. And, and then they have a bigger impact because they have this uh, complex system where these people can apply their skills, be recognized and be appreciated. Yeah. Would you say
0: it was because the size of the company then?
3: Right, right. So you, 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 so the, the idea behind that is trying to appreciate and recognize. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you don't have the right tools to do that, you have only one thing to do. You can say, okay, uh, you are, you, you, you've done a great job. Now uh, you are engineering manager, team lead. You have these five yeah. people reporting to you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've seen a number of people leave organizations when, when basically the the only step up from senior developer was to be a project manager. Very traditional organizations, and I think that's a huge and. An, if, if thinking about it logically, why would you take your most advanced and senior and experienced technologists and say, "Let's stop doing stuff to do with technology"? Let's just, yeah, as you mentioned, let's just do something in a different field for a bit. It feels, it does feel somewhat logical, but it just seems to be. Up until recently, was the natural way of things. Now I'm glad that now we do the fact that we've all mentioned the IC, the IC versus non-IC track. I think we're. I'm hoping we're getting over that hurdle in the in the industry, recognising that not everybody wants to be a manager. I think maybe some other more traditional heritage organisations might um, take a wild catch up with that, just as, as well, you know, take a wild catch up with CICD and, and DevOps and everything like that. Hopefully they will also recognise that um, more people do need, do need you know, there is, there is that dual track approach. But also, I think also we shouldn't, um, we should also recognise that some, there are plenty of technologies who actually do want to go into management, and it's, and it's asking the right coaching questions and the right, having the right mentoring to say, um, do you, do you, would you feel comfortable with this? Because some of them do make great engineering managers, and um, in fact, you know, some of them make, in, in, by, in the end, better, and also leaders as well. Some of them actually end up making better leaders than they ever did developers.
0: Do you think that people go into management due to the fact that they don't actually know what else is available?
2: I think that's quite often the case. They just see, all right, what's my next promotion? And I think co- companies haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that career path. Um, and um, we've mentioned individual contributors, and I think that's something that's that's key now. Um, you can't keep promoting everybody. You know, we'll all be CEO in you know a couple of years time if we kept promoting people. But you have to keep challenging people. Yeah, you, ha- you know people get into the software engineering industry because they like problem solving, they like tech and and so on. So, you you know, they want to be challenged and things like that. So getting on the individual contributor path, uh, understanding what really um, makes them tick. Do they like, you know, database tuning? Do they like, you know, front end development? Whatever it is, the DevOps side of things and and so on, and giving them the opportunity to really thrive there. you know, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily climbing up the career ladder, but you're still progressing their career because you're still progressing their skills. Um I think that's something that we're, we're trying to do, Um, understand what it is that uh, people really uh, get really excited about in uh, software engineering. It's not a catch-all, there's so many different things that you can do in software engineering.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's one of the kind of related questions, isn't it? It's like, well, what are the career paths anyway? And I think Like when I joined the industry some over two decades ago, it was kind of well, you're a programmer or you're uh, a manager. I mean, there weren't even very many BAs and and testers around at that time, at least not in consultancy. Um, Nowadays, I mean, we have so many tracks, and I'm not sure. um, Cybersecurity is a really good example of this. That it's to many people, it's a bit of a black box. Does, Does that mean policy? Does that mean they kind of penetration testing, does it mean DevSecOps? People and, and, and people don't understand those terms. So I think demystifying the pathways in, in in IT would go a long way to helping people. Because I think there's, um, you're right that this whole, it goes back to the climbing ladder again, it's like, when is it time to switch ladders? And sometimes mm-hmm. that can be hugely hugely beneficial to people. So um, uh, I think there's some, some conjecture that, people like Einstein and a bunch of other like famous thinkers did a lot of their best thinking, a lot of their most famous works before they hit about the age of say 40. Um, and then there was some other people discussing well a lot of that is because they stayed on the same kind of field, the same kind of track and they used, um, I think he's an, a physicist or mathematician called Chandrasekhar who um, he changed his field every 10 years to keep himself fresh and he, and he kept innovating until, until he's like, I think he when he finally retired at the age of 82 or something like. And I think, well, as software engineers, we are starting to see some of that. There's a lot of people decided to shift track from being a say a Java developer into being a DevOps engineer into working into cloud and DevOps and found a whole new lease of life and a whole new enthusiasm for the for, for the uh, craft.
0: Brilliant, lovely. Well, whilst you're, on a flow, Jeff, do you want to pose your question? <laughs>
1: all right. Uh, yes. So um, with all of that in mind, uh, and obviously the the market's growing, it's like doubling in size roughly every um, five years, the number of engineers, and, the, and especially now as, as somebody who's, I guess the, some of the listeners here will be starting their career in tech, how do we stand up? Sorry, stand out in the crowd as um, a technologist, as a new entrant into the market. How do you stand out as not just the number of millions of people who enter every
2: year?
0: Who wants to start us off with that one?
2: I'll start us off. Um, <laughs> it's it's a very good question. You know, um, we've all had probably tens, maybe hundreds of CVs cross our paths in uh, you know in in the last few years or even longer. Um, and it's hard to, to understand what makes someone tick just from, uh, you know, a couple of pages of text. You know, the, the CVs that are really interesting are the ones that might have links to blogs or to, you know, uh, GitHub and so on. Uh, you know, putting yourself out there and, you know, sharing your opinions and things like that and putting your code out in the wild, you know, is it, really important. Um, it takes a brave person to do that. But, you know, that, you know that, that's a way of, uh, of getting my attention, of getting you know everybody's attention, I, I think. Um, and that, I think, gets your foot in the door a little bit quicker and a little bit faster um, and, and so on, because no one likes to do the tech test when they come to the interview time. But, you know, if you've got uh, a Git repository that people can look at and, and, and see how you code, then, you know, that, that gets you, you know, that gets you noticed I think.
0: Yeah and can you think of a time say in the past where you have got one of those CVs through or some kinds of links to somebody's portfolio what how, can you think of someone that in the past where that has actually stood out and what it is that they did to to stand out and maybe catch your eye?
2: Um, yeah certainly from experience there have been you know a few opportunities where you know people have put whole huge like pet projects uh in in git and you know we we downloaded the, the repository and had a look at it you know they they've done things that are slightly different to how we potentially coded them and so on and they just make really good context for the interview process as well or just for you know talking to people you know software engineering you know it's supposed to be logical but you know if you put 10 people in the room they'll come up with 10 different solutions for the same thing so it's just nice being able to have that context, to be able to talk to people. Yeah. You know. Why did you do it like that? You know, I would have done it like this and it just leads to a nicer conversation and it, you know, and then it takes you on to the next part. OK, um, you know, if you can understand how somebody else is written code and they can understand how you're written code and you can critique each other and so on and take bits from you know each other again, that's another way of standing out. Y- you know, you've got to be able to um, you know, take advice from others or, you know, give advice, you know, what were the good approaches that you took, what were the bad approaches that you took and, and so on. Because when you get into the workforce, you'll do pull requests and ultimately you're asking your, your peers to um, critique your code. So, um you know, yeah, it, we, we've had um experience of, you know, Git repositories that we've looked at and it's been really useful.
0: Brilliant.
3: I second to what Adrian said and it just recalled one Uh, one occasion when we hired a person who had a terrible CV, like awful, ugly one, but it had a link to GitHub. And once you open this GitHub, you can see beautiful code. You can see what this person knows, what this person can do. And you can appreciate that. And it tells you much more than any other thing because you basically see uh, the result of this person work, the result, the output, right? And and the second thing, which might be even more uh, impressive, is the pet project. So, for example, if you not only have a GitHub report to show to other people, but you can show that you were able to, to deploy that to create a service, to do whatever. I mean, even it's a pointless thing to do. It may be just upload the picture, and it will output five a similar picture from your database to it, right? I mean, it's probably pointless, but it's nice, it shows you, it shows other people that this person was able not only to write the code, but also to create a kind of system around it, deploy it and uh, make it available to other people. That that tells you a lot, and that really helps to stand out.
0: That's brilliant, because obviously anyone that's listening now who's maybe looking to stand out from the crowd, would you say and agree that put some links in there of what your previous work that you've done show what actually you can do and not just a black and white cv um, with your name and number at the top
1: yeah <laughs> especially one, one thing that's impressed me and it doesn't happen very often because it's, it's sometimes a hard game to get into but if you've got a particular passion for an open source project if you've made significant contribution to an open source project nothing impresses me more than that because it's community driven and it usually has a level of rigor because you can't just go you know dumping any kind of code into a, into a community maintained project that always makes me super impressed when i see that
0: that's great brilliant does does anyone want to tell anyone that's listening maybe what else that they can do to basically stand out from the crowds or should we move on to some of the other sub questions
3: um, well networking always always helps right yeah. so if you if you if you could attend a hackathon do it you'll meet people You'll meet maybe junior managers. Maybe you will work with them. Maybe you'll do something. And, and at the end, if you've been working with them for three days, what might be the better job interview for them to appreciate your skills than working with you? So, in that sense, different hackathons, meetups. Meet but basically, meetups is just to meet a discuss, while hackathon is just to meet and do something. It, it's another great way for it's very time consuming and not an easy one.
1: I think the other the other there's certain ways you don't want to stand out in the crowd despite the fact that there's millions of software engineers in the world each pocket of like we'll say the Leeds scene, the Edinburgh scene many scenes if you stand out for the wrong reasons that's that's the bad way to get ahead in the industry um, don't. I just my, my advice would never burn a bridge in IT because it, it's very incestuous. People move around, and there's a good chance you could be unofficially blacklisted uh, in, in, in the interview process.
0: <laughs> no one wants that, do they? <laughs> and where is it? To, uh, for people that might be listening, um, and you mentioned like hackathons and different network events, where 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 is the best best places to look for them? Would you think LinkedIn is a good source to to look for these networking events or uh, what what type of sites are there that people could actually go to? I
2: mean well, you can just Google this. It's literally, you know, London meetups, um, yeah, London.net meetups or London Azure meetups and so on. You will get you will be inundated uh, okay.
3: with all sorts. Another thing might be different thing different websites like Top Coder or Kaggle, which basically provides you with the opportunity to participate in international competition with thousands of people there, you can form up the team. It might be full remote and you still can meet many people. And I personally had many people with whom I participated in Kaggle competitions.
2: And one thing I didn't mention, um, st- a Stack Overflow profile, you know, someone's active in there, um, you know, then if they're going in and helping others with problems, then they're probably going to come in, uh, work for you and be a problem solver as well. Um, stack overflow
0: uh, profiles are always good. That's great. So I'm going to actually ask some of the subtopics here, um, and these were from Jeff. So what the first one was, was what are the careers within tech? So I think that a lot of people um, are put off with tech because they think it's just you're on a computer and that's pretty much it. Um, what what other careers are there in tech that maybe um, what other people don't maybe necessarily think about?
3: Product manager. Product managers, product owners. I mean, IT and the IT industry needs a lot of people who can help all these smart people to do something useful. Because <laughs> smart, techy people, they like to tackle the challenging problems, uh, hard, complex ones. But not always it's the best way to, to bring something meaningful to the world. So uh, I think we need a lot of people who can help us to just... I channelize this this energy in the right way and help us to make something meaningful
0: that's great and say that um, if someone that you maybe has got the skills does it necessarily is it is it like definite that they need to would maybe go to university beforehand or in terms of people that wouldn't necessarily like to fit in with university but do have the skills to do a tech or it role what 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 is there out there, or what do your companies maybe do to support those people?
2: Well, we don't ask for any particular degree, you know, oh. at, at all. Um, you know, we we look for experience, um, but yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I don't have um, a computer science degree, I don't have a software engineering degree, um, and I kind of fell into to coding and kind of fell in love with it and and, and ran with it from there. Um, so it really isn't the case that you have to go and, uh, mm. and do a computer science degree, you know, there's loads know. of boot camps and, and, and things like that. And But, you know, be careful about which boot camp that you go to, make sure it's a well-reviewed one and, uh, and so on, because some of them really don't give you the skills that you need. But, you know, there's so much out there to help you learn you know, software engineering, even something as simple as looking at YouTube videos will teach you so much. You, you don't need a degree, you don't need to go on a big boot camp, yeah. but, yeah, you just need that practical experience and, and so on. And sometimes, like I said, you know, a, a Git repository is sometimes all, all you need um to get potentially get that junior um foot in the door.
1: I think it's, sorry, Mally, go on.
3: If you think about that, there is a lag between what we use right now in industry and what you can learn in university, right? It might be three years, five years, 10 years, but it's still a lack. So the question is, how do we do all this stuff in industry if we've never been taught to do that in university, right? So that it already answers the question that you can do that. Of course, university helps it because in a sense, you can review university is a very uh, respected and well-established bootcamp, right? That's what it is. It, it, it gave you the basic, the network, etc. But of course, you can do that. On your own, which might be trickier and harder,
1: yeah. I think th- there's a big difference, there's a huge difference. Uh, and I, I was when I was writing about um, so sort of software engineering versus computer science, and like a lot of universities are teaching computer science. and. Engineering is an application science and computer science hasn't changed much in 35 years. Functional programming existed 35 years ago, but software engineering is like, even from when I started, it's 100% different. We didn't have continuous integration, we didn't have DevOps, none of the engineering practices. And I think where boot camps are eating the university's lunches, they're teaching engineering practice. They're not teaching much of the science, which sometimes you need. If you're doing low latency, you know, high throughput stuff that's really difficult, then you need to understand a bit about the kind of, the the computer science and maybe even the physics of it all if we, um because um and but i think the universities are lagging behind and of course there's a big change uh, i was lucky i'm lucky enough to be old enough that i, I go into university for free so i'm from a working class background it didn't cost me anything to go to university and i think that change that university now costs you as much as a small house um mm-hmm. in, in debts and that's really i think that's really bad for social inclusion but the boot camps are there, and they're doing a great job of actually giving people the skills. And as as you said, um, those didn't really exist before, so that's why we needed, or, or it was be- it was good to have degrees in the past and to to re- uh, require them in the past because. Um, because there was nothing else. There, there were no boot camps, there was no YouTube, there was you know, maybe the odd book, but there wasn't a lot. But yeah, the universities haven't kept particularly up to date because I've gone back to do an MSc in computer science recently and they're using the same book that I learned from software engineering from 23 years ago. Um, and I was like, oh, I've got to rebuy this book now that I got rid of 22 years ago after I finished my degree. Um, so yeah, they're definitely not keeping up times. And I think the the, the boot camps and, and I think the community as well, the community is better at teaching than ever, because there was no community before the web was really popular. The idea of a software engineering community didn't really happen outside, maybe outside of London.
0: It is, it's up and coming. And it's definitely something that I think is, is being more widespread. And it's not just so people know exactly what, what opportunities are out there. So I think there's a really exciting time for it. Um. So I'm actually going to go on to the next one, which is, do you think there's more value in being a specialist versus a general IT? And that was yours. Um, Jeff, so do you want to start us off with that?
1: Yeah, it's the perennial question on being, being a specialist versus a generalist. And and of course, the very fashionable terms of T-shaped, M-shaped, pie-shaped and whatever other character, Unicode character shaped you can think of. Um, and... So i've got my own opinions on this but i, I know that I've, people have wildly differing opinions and i've always enjoyed being i'd say what you maybe call m-shaped where i've had a couple of quite deep specialisms but then i've spread myself quite thinly over a number of different things you know i've got myself involved in cloud architecture just enough to be dangerous but you know if you look at sort of some depth you know i spent a long time programming in java and c So i am wondering what people's feelings are on does, does being a specialist limit you too much or does a generalist make mean you're not, you, you can't participate at the right level.
2: I would say, do what you enjoy the most. If you like to spread yourself thin across full stack, front end, back end, database, DevOps, that's what you should do. If you really love the front end side, um, then get stuck into that or whatever it is, there's always, well, there should always be a company out there that needs that particular trait in somebody. There are, you know, I'm interviewing at the moment and, you know, we see a lot of full stack developers. We see a for, you know, a lot of um, specialists. Um, and I talk to my teams, you know, some of them want to stay as specialists, some of them fancy themselves as full stack and and so on. So, you know, there, there's a place for, for both, I think, which I know is a bit of a wishy-washy cop-out answer, but, <laughs> you know, it's there's so many different companies out there there's so many different personalities you will find somewhere that will allow you to to thrive whether that's full stack or as a specialist
3: i agree with that that there are so many openings that everybody will find the job also depends what you need as jeff mentioned if you need a low latency right you probably will hire someone who's very deep there who's not just a general generalist who will go further and further and will improve it but i think that if you think about that if, if you are generalist you might become a pretty good manager engineering manager because it will be easier for you to understand what different people and different teams are doing just because you you know at least some of that however maybe maybe again if you if you if you if you you have decided to to be an ic maybe again that's just my opinion being a generalist might make it harder to go further, like to staff level or, or senior staff level, because by definition, to go further, you have to excel at, one spe- at something specific, right? And, and being a generalist, to to, to become as like a, a, as diverse as uh, uh, staff engineer in front and staff engineer in back and then staff engineer in machine learning, I mean, it's almost impossible. It's so deep.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you don't want to just put, spread yourself too thin, because obviously if you do want to progress... And it it is definitely something that you need to probably specialise in, but you you guys are the experts. <laughs> so I won't say too much there. Um does anyone have have anything to add to that? If not, then I'm gonna basically go round the around the room and ask for what is your best advice that you would give somebody starting a career within IT and tech? So, I'll, who wants to start us off with the best advice that you can give them? I think Jeff wants to start us.
1: Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because I unused myself prematurely. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
1: I'd say, first of all, um, try not to think too much about where the next step is when you're embedding yourself, when you're starting to learn the skills. Um, conti- especially early in your career. Um, Take hold of any learning and development opportunities that give you. So a lot of, you know, where I work at X Design, we have learning and development days pinned under the learning and development budget and things like O'Reilly Online, which is huge. It's got thousands of books. Um, Take hold of every learning and development opportunity and don't be afraid of pairing with people and always try and find a good mentor.
0: Brilliant. The mentor one's come up quite a few times for Adrian. You're taking yourself off mute, which means you go next. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, I think it's it's okay to be it's okay to be wrong. There's so many different ways to to do things in the IT industry, in the engineering industry that it's it's okay to be wrong. And something that you do today, when you come back to it in in three months time, you probably look back at it and go, Why did I do it that way? You know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, don't get too emotionally attached to the decision you're making now. You know, that We've all come back to things and gone, okay, this is how I should have done it and so on. But, you know, trust your colleagues, trust the people around you to help you out and, and, and so on. So, yeah, you know, don't be afraid to make a, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Talk to your, your colleagues. You know, they w- really will
3: help you out.
0: Brilliant. Valerie, do you want to end this on yours?
3: Not much to add. I, I completely agree with that. The best thing you can do is try to analyse uh, what's going on. So, for example, if you're in the beginning, maybe your goal is just to land the job then be persistent, uh, it, it's okay to fail, it's okay to fail 100 times. What matters is how many times, so you, you have just tried one more time, then you failed. And then trying to analyze, if you landed the job, if, you, if you're if trying to do that, what, what's the reason why things, when things are going badly, or then they, they're going smoothly, what, what led to this? How you, can, how you can go further the way you'd like to go and what may be a hindrance, what prevents you to achieve the success. So always trying to analyse what's the reason and trying to fix it or, or just uh, improve some of your skills which prevents you from doing what you'd like to do, but it's, 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 you, you, can, you can be better every day than you've been the day before.
0: Thank you very much. So I'm going to end it on a high with everyone's best advice. Um, So for everyone listening, this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast and I just want to take the opportunity to thank Valerie, Jeff and Adrian for providing the insights into the topic and thank you all again for listening.